Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, it's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. My name is Dr. Shaley D. Williams, and today's guest is Sarah Griffiths. She is a specialized trauma and abuse therapist. Having recovered from the trauma of her own past abuse, bullying at school, and a long marriage to a COVID narcissist. She now runs two successful businesses. Her newest venture, SallyG.com, uses her skill as a hypnotherapist, along with coaching and traditional therapy techniques to help others rapidly heal from their past, firmly, firmly putting it behind them so that they can achieve their full potential and live the lives they deserve just as she has done. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. What a great introduction. I couldn't have said that better myself. That is so good. Yes. So just, um, is it okay if I call you Sarah? Or do you, would you prefer something? Yeah, cool. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah. All righty. So to start off with, you said in your literature that you were at a point in your life where you wanted to end your life. You said because of childhood bullying and then all these negative uh, influences were reinforced in a covert narcissist relationship. And there's something that clicked for you. So before we get to that point, I want to get to that stage in your life where you were dating this person. And what were some of the signs that were there that you didn't see then that you, you could probably see now? Wow. Okay. So that, that would have been very early on. And you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know about, any of the things that I know now when I was dating and even it's only been in the last four years that I have really understood what was going on. Um, so I can talk about some of the signs that were there in the dating um, or early on in our marriage, but I did not understand what they were. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to understand that because of my past, um, because I was already dealing with, uh, again, something we didn't know, complex post-traumatic stress from um, the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse at school um, that completely destroyed who I was. Um, I, I was receptive to this. I, I knew that it was wrong, but obviously what I was doing was repeating a pattern. Um, so the things that I noticed... First of all, I noticed that he was incredibly judgmental. Okay. Incredible. And, and also he put me on a pedestal. Now that is the classic. And again, I didn't know that at the time. So he put me on a pedestal. Like I was, he made me feel like no one else had ever made me feel like I was absolutely the best, most amazing, most incredible person. Hmm. And someone who is not used to that, um, that, that really is very, very special. Um, and, but I didn't have any alarm bells over that. Obviously I just accepted it and thought it was fantastic. Um, so but I think my main alarm bells were, and you have to understand that the thing about narcissists, people ask, do they know what they're doing? Yes, they know what they're doing because number one, they can hide it for quite a long time mm -hmm. if it serves them to. And number two, they never do it in front of other people. 
No. Often there is one person or maybe their spouse and their children that they behave in this way with. Um, so, so it's hidden. Um, and I think that for a long time, I didn't really see what was going on. And it was covert. And sometimes covert can, it, I hate to say it's low level because it's extremely damaging, um, but it's, it's not so obvious um, other than when you know and you look back and you realize that there was all the gaslighting and the guilt tripping and all the times that you thought it was you and that you were crazy mm-hmm. and you realize actually, no, it was him. So I think that what I noticed very early on was that he was incredibly judgmental so he was very judgmental. He was very critical. Um, he was very precise. Everything had lots of rules. Mm-hmm. There were ways you were meant to do things. Things had to be done. Um, yeah, so it was very, very much about control and having things his way. And also that when he didn't get his way, he could be very childish is how I would describe it. Um, like, almost like, what do you call it? Pouty. So it would like have a, like, like sulk. Yeah, like a temper, yeah. temper tantrum. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so first of all, he would explode and then he would sulk through not getting his own way. <laughs> he would do, he would do anything to get his own way. It was all about him and getting his own way. Those, those are the things I would say. There's, there's quite a lot there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. But the, the interesting thing is, you know, I interviewed another guest and, the, and she said the same thing. And then when I deal yeah. with the narcissist in my life, it's like, yeah, this narcissistic rage. This like you, you're, so like you're stepping on eggshells. Like, what can I say around this person? And the littlest thing can set this person off. I can say grass is green and they blow up. That's it. And and the, and the problem, of course, um, with that kind of relationship, with that kind of person is the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like you just and, and I can relate to that totally. It's the not knowing, the not knowing what is going to set them off, the not knowing what they're going to say or do next, you know, um, so that you can't relax, you can't be yourself. Um, cause yeah, you just, you don't know who is going to walk in the door. Yeah. You don't know who is going to respond to the conversation, which part of them, because don't forget, they're not like this all the time. This is what makes you think it must be you. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes they can be loving and you can have fun with them and you can enjoy them. And all of a sudden that switches. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is there really a difference between a male narcissist or a female narcissist or are you, and you can lump those two together? Oh, look, I think that the, the, do you know, and I almost think here, someone asked me this recently and here's what I said about this. Someone said to me, is it worse if your father is a narcissist or if your mother is? Hmm. Okay. Okay. And we know that some people have the misfortune to have both because narcissists will also attract narcissists, which hmm. is horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I said was, you have to understand that for children caught up in this, 
um, that there is, narcissism is about betrayal. The CPTSD that it leads to is about betrayal. Mm -hmm. And what I tend to find is that when mothers realize that their partner or the father is a narcissist, they can protect. They will go out of their way to protect, to do what they can to try and change the situation um, and to help the children. But with a father, if you think the role of a father, if the mother is the narcissist, I think that the children, and this is not blaming anyone, it's just the way things are, I think that a father is less likely to notice how the mother is, less likely to support the children in the way that they need, and more likely to just withdraw and leave everyone to it. Mm. So that's that's the difference that that I see. Um, that's the difference in how it affects people. But I think as the women as narcissists, I think that we all struggle with that more because if you think of the role of a of a of a man, you know, we we even with the society we have today, you know, we're still running on ancient DNA and you know our everything about us is feeds back to the old role, roles you know we're we're basically cave people living in a modern environment and obviously we see men traditionally are the strong providers that they, they have less emotion um in theory you know all of these things whereas it's women it's women it's their mums that children turn to for the love the comfort and the support that they need um and that is how we see women so when women do not provide that when they actually give out the opposite it always seems worse hmm. because we think of women as being soft and gentle and loving and caring and nurturing and it's shocking when we come across a woman that isn't that it's also shocking when we come across a man that isn't that but less so less hmm. so yeah hmm huh. Yeah. Well, so going off of that, you are in this relationship with this narcissist. What was that aha moment that said, I know what type of guy this is? Yeah. Okay. So amazingly, it was you, you touched on the fact that I nearly committed suicide mm -hmm. and, and that was 10 years ago now. Um, and what I didn't realize at the time, I thought that that was all about my past. I thought that was all about the bullying at school um, because it totally eroded everything about my sense of self that was positive. And I was kind of living with this no self-confidence, low self-esteem, self-loathing. Um, and I just it couldn't, I just felt like I couldn't carry on anymore which is where I got to with that. Um, but I didn't realize what I was dealing with in my marriage. I didn't realize that everything that was happening in my marriage was feeding into the preconceived ideas that I already had about myself. I didn't realize that it was confirming all of those. Mm -hmm. This is all stuff that I've learned since. And what happened, it was about four years ago now um, where I got, I, I was in quite a desperate way emotionally 
but I was getting to the point where I was kind of thinking, this isn't all me. This There's something really, really wrong here. Um, and I, I need someone to help me try and sort this out. So mm-hmm. I guess I was a bit older and wiser and just starting to see that some of his behavior was not acceptable. And my children were older by then as well, uh, four years. They were like 18, 19, my boys, and they were starting to say things as well, um, which was supportive of me because I thought, well, I'm not the only one here who's seeing this. The boys are calling him out on this stuff as well. Um, You know, and one of them actually said to me at one point, he said, mum, I've been doing some research. He said, and I don't know. He said, do you think dad is a sociopath or a narcissist? Which one of those is he or is he both? Hmm. And I went, wow, this was just like way out of left field. I, I just, I had no idea about this stuff. And I kind of just played it down and said, why, I can't possibly see how he can be either of those things. You know, where are you getting this stuff from? You know, just calm down. Um, but it struck a chord with me. Um, and I, I made an appointment to go and see someone to talk about it. And when I went through everything that had happened, the counsellor just said to me, I think you should probably consider that your husband is probably a narcissist with everything that you've told me. And it was just, whew. A weight off? It was in a way because now I had, I, I had someone who was telling me it wasn't all me. I realized that my boys were at the age where I could also help them with this and they could help me and we could all make sense of it. But it, so it was a weight off in that way, but also like no one wants to have to think that you don't ever want to have to face the fact my partner might be a narcissist. That to me, that was a huge, huge thing to have to deal with. Um, but what it did, it started me, it was, it was the right thing. Absolutely. Was I ready to hear it at the time? No, mm-hmm. uh, but it started me on a path. It started me on a path of discovery and a determination that I was going to change myself and the, whatever this was, the diagnosis almost didn't matter, but I knew that the behavior was unacceptable and that dealing with it was important. And it just ignited in me this this idea, um, this certainty, this knowing that this could not carry on and, and that I would have to understand this and do everything I could to overcome it. So yeah, it was a, it was, it was a great moment and a not great moment. So I, it took me a while to digest it. And it took me another two years to fully accept it. I was only two years ago that yeah. I really, really accepted and started to use that phrase and to see it for what it was and to call him out on all his behavior and to really put some serious boundaries and values and barriers and 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 just to know that he couldn't hurt me anymore um, with how he was. Yeah. 
that's powerful. But what was it about his behavior that, well, what did your son notice? Let me ask it that way. Mm. What, what did my son see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my son saw um, that he, his propensity to be, uh, to go to the negative. He, he was always, always looking at the negative of everything. Um, so he, he would destroy, destroy joy, really. Oh, gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Take, take the joy out of anything and everything. Um, and again, this being critical, um, using a, oh, my goodness, the tone he used to use with everyone all the time, just this critical, contemptuous tone with all of us all, all the time. And the interesting thing is that, one of my sons had um, had a few years of anxiety and depression, and I know this sounds ridiculous now, um, but I didn't I didn't know what was causing that. I didn't know at the time, um, and of course it was largely. I'm not saying that I didn't have a role. I had a role too mm-hmm. because I was dealing with CPTSD that I didn't know about, um, and never had any help or anything with I've done all that work myself um yes so obviously but my son's anxiety obviously came from his dad's um constant criticism constantly telling them they weren't good enough that they couldn't do anything right all all of that stuff um it was it was very negative it was very toxic um and I I hate to say I I didn't realize how bad it was you know for any of us, mm-hmm. but it was it was such a relief when my sons were old enough that they started to say things to me about his behavior. They started to challenge him, even about how he was with me, you know. Um, and they they still do that, which is which is great, even more so because now they're older and we all have more understanding. So. Yeah, so it was it was very interesting when my son suddenly came out with that comment. Um, but I'm glad he did. I wasn't at the time. It was very confronting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm glad he did. Yeah. Yeah, and listening to that story, it's vaguely familiar, you know, the constant criticisms. Like, do you have anything positive to say? And um, some of the things yeah. I dealt with with this individual is sabotage. I'm like... I didn't see it right away. It's like I would do something. This person would kind of suddenly sabotage behind the scenes. Oh, my goodness. That has been (laughs) so that is, do you know, that is one of the things that I say. And, you know, I I take on board fully myself now. You know, I've moved to a different place and I look at my role and what I allowed and who I was that allowed all this to happen. But constant sabotage I would honestly say to him like now um when I that I have success in my life at the moment despite you Mm -hmm. despite you despite the fact that over the years you destroyed and sabotaged and took away everything that I ever tried to do I can fully relate to that that is at, at the point where another, the same son, he got to the point a few years ago where he would say to me, why do you ever share any of your ideas with dad? Oh, thank you. You know that he <laughs> is just going to destroy them all. Of course. Why, why do you do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
it was great to have someone on board like that. My son, who got so clear about this, could see what was going on. Um, yeah, and would challenge me in, in those ways. Like, mum, why are you allowing this? Mum, why, why are you letting dad talk to you like that? Whereas now they'll say it to him direct, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but let me guess. If you approach him about it, he'll somehow twist it or gaslight or make it about somehow something you did? Oh, yes. And that was something that I learned as well. Um, he still, I would say, he tries to do it now. He, I, And I, I think that, no, I'd like to say he doesn't even know. It's, it's almost like it's such a part of him that he can't, he can't help himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, when I realized about the gaslighting and the guilt tripping, I just started to write it all down. I started to write it down so that I could recognize it. Um, but the interesting thing is um, that he doesn't he doesn't do it so much anymore. Number one, he can't. We call him out on everything all the time. And he got to the point where he had a choice. He had to make a choice because he was going to lose all of us, all of us. And he was going to be alone if he carried on as he was. And we made that absolutely clear that he had to change drastically. We were telling him what our needs were, what we needed and wanted in this, in the family, for us. And we made it clear that we were all prepared to walk away mm. if he did not change, which is why we still challenge him on absolutely everything and that that almost sounds like we've become the narcissist and the controller and it, it's it's interesting because it's not like that at all oh yeah um because everything we do is from a motivation of love of wanting what's right for all of us so all we're doing is saying to him don't don't speak like that don't react like that don't talk to us like that don't you know you're going back to your old pattern. Just let that go and just try that again, you know? Um, but he has a choice. He 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 does have a choice. Hmm. It's, up to him. it's up to him. And what I'm hearing here, it's, it's strength in numbers because I know I tried to confront this person and it just turned it around. So it's better like the, the three of you came at him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Once my son's got older... And but and also, I mean, in fairness, um, he did some work. He he did some work on this too. But again, because he had a choice. Now the interesting thing is, and I always note this, when he was given the ultimatum, mm-hmm. which he was given, again, I always say that his decision in itself was narcissistic because he could see that. If he didn't change, there was a serious consequence for him. So it was almost like while he could get away with it, it was fine. Although why anyone would want to be like that, I can't imagine. Um, But again, he's a product of his own upbringing. It's what he learned and how he learned to be. Um, So, uh, but the narcissistic choice was... Again, he chose what was best for him. So okay. he chose 
he chose that he would get the best result mm-hmm. if if he what do you call it well if he drastically changed how he was interacting with all of us okay um so and the interesting thing is gone no no i'm sorry go ahead no the interesting thing is that what happened around that when he got a drastic change was um because you know that the hypnotherapy work that i do and he actually said to me once he said can you do me a hypnotherapy session? He said, on why I'm so unhappy. That was his words. Now, so he wasn't gone. I was, I was wanting to know now, did you think it was sincere or like you said, it's still coming from a narcissistic place. Maybe he's just playing along. No. Well, I, 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 again, I, yes. It, I mean, it did come from a narcissistic place. And because if you think about it, he wasn't concerned about the rest of us. He didn't say, can you do a session with me to find out why I'm making all of you so unhappy, why I'm behaving as mm-hmm. I am. It was a total focus on self. And it was interesting because I noticed that at the time I thought, oh, this is interesting why you're so unhappy, but yeah, sure. Let's do the session. <laughs> okay. So I did the session for him. And it was very, very interesting what it uncovered. And what it uncovered was this um, this sense of not deserving, not deserving to be happy. Mm. Um, and really, I have to say that that was it was a real catalyst for change um, because he was able to kind of look at that and go, why would I think that I don't deserve to be happy? Well, if I deserve to be happy, then so do all of you. And he started to do this reasoning. Well, I'm not just making myself really unhappy. I'm making all of you unhappy too. Um, And I need to get rid of this sense that I don't deserve to be happy because it, it goes along with a lot of other things about not being good enough, not being worthy. Um, but he came from a, a very controlled Christian background. Um, so he wasn't able to be himself. And I'm not, I'm not being negative about his parents at all. They were absolutely wonderful, wonderful people who honestly just seriously wanted the best for their children. Um, but that came from a, a foundation, a, general, a, a generational foundation of Christianity. So he had no choice about who he became. His life was very, very controlled. There were lots of rules. um, And quite a lot of it was based on judgment, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we started to unravel it and piece it all together, it was very, it became very clear and very sad, very sad about where he had picked up these behaviors. And it was, it was absolutely the classic narcissistic response. I can't be myself. He learned at a very young age that himself wasn't acceptable. So I have to create this facade and become someone else and hide who I am. Which is absolute classic what narcissistic behavior is about. You know, uh, I went to see a therapist at one, but it was something completely different. And I was describing this person and she said, did you ever consider this person's a narcissist? I said, yes. 
And then she said, did you, do you think this person has a lot of trauma? I said, definitely. This couldn't come from out of left field. And what you just yeah. described, I was thinking, maybe that's what's going on. I mean, yeah, hmm. I've, he, we've done so much work on this together and he's constantly coming up with things around it. And I'm always very careful to say like, there's no way his parents intended this to be the result. Um, and it's not the result for his other two brothers. It was just that for him, there was so much else that he wanted to be and right. do and have that wasn't allowed. And as you say, it's a trauma response. It's the tr it's literally the trauma of realizing that you what what you are naturally is not good enough, and that you cannot live the life that you want to live and and be accepted. Don't forget, for children, you have to you have to be what is expected to conform. He had no choice. And it was generational. So it was the whole family. It was the whole community. And there was an expectation that he would be something, be a particular thing. Um, and he literally um, denied everything that he was and kept it hidden. And now it's starting to come out because he has the freedom to do it. We've unlocked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to um, some treatment options now i know you know this, this isn't for entertainment purposes only this is not to diagnose or treat anything but when you work with people mm. who are in let's say either they're dealing with a narcissistic parent or a narcissistic spouse what is the first yeah. thing you want them to f uh, focus on the first thing i well the, the the thing they have to focus on all the time is themselves it's all about you. We have to remove, I, I know like you could say, like my husband has made some serious changes, but it started with me. Mm -hmm. It didn't start. Do Let go of any idea at all that the person you are dealing with um, is going to, going to want to change, is, is going to turn around themselves and say, I need to make some changes here. Or that, you are going to be able to persuade this person because you are sad or unhappy or because something is affecting you. Let go of all the ideas that you would, that you can interact with this person in the way that you do with, let's say, someone else who has far more normal type tendencies because we are dealing with someone here who has no empathy and no compassion. And this is very interesting because that was one of the key things about my husband. He had absolutely no empathy with anything that I was thinking or feeling. He, he was able to make promises, um, able to listen and to agree, and then to act as if nothing was wrong, nothing. He had no empathy at all. But in the changes he's made, he has taught himself to have some empathy. I wouldn't say a normal amount by any means. He's, he's still like, there's still lots of things that he doesn't get, mm -hmm. that he doesn't understand about thoughts and feelings and behaviors, but he's better. He's better. How familiar? So you have to, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. On. Mm, I was going to say... You, you always, always have to approach anything 
that you are doing um, in terms of doing it for yourself and by yourself and looking at yourself. Don't you you got to stop looking at the other person and what they're doing and you've got to start to focus on you on what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, I want to ask, you know, you say lack of em- empathy, which is a classic mm. sign. But oh, God. How how familiar are you with um autism? Autism, yes. And because I know I've been diagnosed with it and th- there's that issue with being disconnected from feelings that which leak which can lead to a lack of empathy is there a difference between the two say a narcissistic a narcissistic person that doesn't feel empathy versus an autistic person who's just disconnected yeah sure yeah absolutely because you have to remember that the narcissistic lack of empathy is a total focus on self Mm -hmm. it's it's totally selfish it's and, and this is where we can start to recognize narcissistic behavior as well when we we look at well is someone just being a little bit selfish from time to time you know are they just a, a bit selfish or you know is it really about them all the time and they don't care about the consequences to another person so all, autistic people don't have that autistic people don't in general have that incredible focus on self what's right for them to the detriment of other people it's a very different it it doesn't have that kind of toxic um toxic content that you just want to back away from mm-hmm. you know it's yeah it's it's completely different yeah okay so do you have any success stories and in fact i think it's your family is a bit of a success story right Yes, yeah, obviously we have our own success story, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I work with lots of people. So people tend to come, it's it's women that tend to come to me. And obviously what they're dealing with, they're either in narcissistic relationships or they've left one and they're trying to recover. Because the, what we have to understand is the most important thing about any of these um, narcissistic relationships is the way it leaves us feeling about ourselves. Because mm-hmm. a narcissistic relationship totally destroys you. It destroys your belief in yourself mm-hmm. in, in some very damaging ways. Um, not only does it leave you sometimes unable to even hold down a job because you are so afraid of criticism, so sure that you are wrong, that you are not good enough, all of these things, um, but also, you know, just totally destroys your belief that you deserve, um, your self-confidence, your self-esteem, and, and it, it fills you with fear, but it makes you mistrustful of other people as well. So mm. I tend to deal with people who are obviously dealing with all of that. And my job and the um, as a hypnotherapist, my job is what What does my client believe that doesn't serve them and where has it come from and what do they need to believe instead? And the thing is with, um, with hypnotherapy, all of these beliefs um, have been ingrained. They are ingrained in the subconscious by this continuous, by, by, by this continuous abuse. 
Mm. Um, and it's probably following a childhood pattern as well, because what we're doing with narcissistic abuse normally is repeating a pattern. And even if it didn't occur at home, something has happened to that person very early on um, to make them accept the behavior that occurred. So, yeah. so there's something there in the background. Um, so my job is to work with someone and in the subconscious, the subconscious that has collected and is holding all these beliefs and perceptions and all these experiences. Um, and, and we literally, we disrupt them and we change them and change the way someone sees themselves. That's the most important thing. It's almost like getting you to see yourself in a whole and complete way again um, and releasing all the things that um, you've been taught about yourself that don't serve the adult you are and replacing them with all the good and positive feelings that will allow you to move forward in life. Mm. And we do that by disrupting what's held in the subconscious. Yeah, you know, I can completely relate to that because I can tell you when I first got my doctorate, and I was in that place where, you know, I, I don't know why people should call me Dr. Shayla or Dr. Williams. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think I deserve. And it's like, wait, I went through a lot of hell to get that degree. Why shouldn't I yes. be called doctor? And, and, you know, I had to take control of that without feeling it's like, what well, is it arrogant of me? No, it's not arrogant. It's just it's a title. Yes. Yes. But when you've been in an abusive relationship, especially with a narcissist who really is very skilled at destroying everything positive that you might think about yourself um those feelings they're very prevalent you know as, as you say it makes no sense that you don't deserve that you've worked for it you know it's who you are and yet you have this this belief because of what you've been taught about yourself that you're you're not good enough mm. um and, and not good enough is what runs really not good enough the fear of rejection um, criticism, all the, all those things are, are what I'm dealing with all the time. Okay. Well, I would really like this conversation to go on, but I want to ask one more question before we talk more about you know, where to find you. And I got an email from one of my listeners who said that she's in this narcissistic relationship, abusive relationship, but there's some complicating factors. This per this husband controls all the finances. Oh, God. So a, a woman who or anybody really who's in that situation, how would they start the process of trying to get out of that if they don't really have any money? Well, yeah, financial control is a horrendous thing. It's horrendous because it's the ultimate control, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate. Well, and I mean, the first thing to realize is that unless you change it, this is never going to change. Wow. That helps. It helps to look at it and go, well, if this is the situation now and he has all the financial control, then he's always going to have all the financial control unless we change this. And, by and that in itself can be a catalyst for doing something about it. And the... You know, there, there are steps, but the first thing you have to look at is how did I allow this to happen? How on earth did he get all of the financial control? In this okay, case, so 
Yeah. 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 Well, in this case, it was a cultural thing. Yeah, and culture is often at play. You know, it's it's a cultural thing that this was just allowed. Okay. So then you have to look at okay. So so it's it's come from culture. All right. And so then you've got to start to look at what are the chances of me being able to access any money at any time. All right. Mm-hmm. And then you can ask yourself, what is the purpose of this? What is the purpose of the financial control? Okay. Yeah. So what? Why was it? Why was it put in place? Oh, are you, is that a rhetorical question? Are you asking? Yeah, it, this is what people should be asking oh, themselves okay. so that they understand. They okay. understand the situation because you wouldn't believe the number of people that I speak to that they know the other person has financial control, but they've never actually looked at why. How did this happen? What's the purpose of it? it if if we are married then if if we're going on the basis, the traditional basis, that marriage and love are about wanting the happiness of the other person. Now, we know in this case that that's all out the window. But if we were saying that that's where we're at, then how does someone having financial control assist with that? Well, it doesn't. It's the opposite of that. So what is the financial control there for? Mm. And then you can, and then you start to look at, so, and everyone's different. Right. You know, you've got to be careful of your emotional safety, your physical safety. You know, for goodness sake, don't approach someone about this if you are not going to be physical, physically safe. I recently worked with a woman and we worked out a process and she felt perfectly comfortable going to her husband with some of the questions she had about why she didn't have access to money. Um, She felt that he would react in a reasonable way. But if you're not in that situation, then just do this for yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. So that you understand. And then start to look at what could I ask for? What... What what is it safe here for me to ask for? And and just start to work out a path for yourself. And if there is no safe path to ask for access to money, then that tell that in itself tells you something very serious. Mm. That this is never going to change. And that unless you do something about it, this is always going to be this way. So you've got to look for ways to change it in the situation that you're in. But then also if he's got financial control, what other control does he have? And what kind of relationship is this? What What's going on here? You know, can she leave? Does she have to stay? And there is always a way to leave. Right. Always. That's That's the hope that you have to hang on to. Because if you tell yourself there is no way out, then that's what you're living with. You're living with telling yourself there is no way out. Mm. And what you always have to be focusing on is, I might not know it yet. I haven't got the details worked out, but I can't live like this any longer. 
and I will find a way out. Okay. That's a very different focus to I have no way out. I have no way out leads to helplessness. Yes, I, I believe that 100%. Yes. It's, so we it's, have to have the other focus. Is as soon as you change your focus, you find opportunities that weren't there before. Yes, and and that's the whole thing. If you tell yourself there's no way out, well, that's that's the belief that your mind is supporting. Mm. But if you have a glimmer, if you have a you know something where you're trying to work out the details, you're looking for the opportunity, as you say, you're trying to find a way to do this differently, you know. But yes, start. Start at the beginning and work out how this has happened and what you can possibly do to bring about small changes, you know, um, that would be beneficial to you. But understanding the reasons behind it and what it's giving the other person um, is very, very useful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. So let's uh, close us out with talking more about where people can find you and some of the things you can do for them. I mean, Ken, since you're in Australia, right? I'm in Australia, but most of my clients are not. My clients are all over the world mm-hmm. so, because my sessions are all online. Gotcha. So yeah. So that, which is great because it means I can reach people in remote places who are desperate to access proper kind of trauma therapy um which is not very widely available unfortunately um and yeah we have to understand that being in a relationship with a narcissist is a trauma it's traumatic it affects the body and the mind in a particular way um and it, it, it can be it can be overcome definitely um just like cptsd mm-hmm. uh, that complex post-traumatic stress disorder that can be as well um, it just needs to be approached in a in a particular way. Yeah, so the work I do is online. And the best place for people to contact me is probably on my website, uh, which I'm guessing you'll put up, but it's um, sallyg.com. Mm-hmm. So that's just the name Sally with the G, the letter G afterwards, sallyg.com. And people can find out all about my work on there. Um, but there's also options to contact me. Um, because what I do with everyone that I work with or anyone who just wants to find out a bit more um, is I do a free 30, 30 minute, often it's longer, but I do a free session um, just to find out about what they're dealing with. And they often get clarity and a different understanding um, in, the, in that session. Um, and then I can tell them more about, I can help them and they can decide if it's right for them or not. Um, but, and, and that's how I, how I tend to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, a message for my listeners, those of you who've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you've told, you've heard my story, you know, dealing with 100 pound weight gain, high blood pressure, high blood sugar. I mean, went up to 500 one time and I could, I might have avoided all that if I just reached out for help. See, I tried to do all this on my own Yeah, with all the that's other issues good- going on. Yeah, I I have, um, there's on my website, people will find a free masterclass. And one of the things I cover in the masterclass is it's it's about the beliefs that you have to let go of if you're going to recover. And one of the beliefs is the belief that you can do this by yourself. Mm, You know, it's, 
it's almost impossible. Sure, I mean, it's it's fantastic that there's so much free information out there now. It's wonderful, all the resources that we have. and But it's information. It's not transformation. And the problem with most of it is it helps everyone with their learning and their understanding, which is wonderful. But then it's like, okay, now what do I do with all of this? Which of this is which of this is appropriate for me? Which of this applies to me? Should I do this? Should I do that? Listen to this person, that person. It's, the amount of information and resources is overwhelming. And information is power because, it, as I say, it helps you to understand. But transformation and recovery are a completely different thing. Applying these things um, with someone who knows what to apply and when which tools and techniques to use and exactly what's happening with you, understanding how your mind is processing things, how your body is also processing what's happened. Um, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Because the kind, the kind of change that we're talking about bringing about can be very difficult or almost impossible to do on your own. Most people don't do it on their own. I think there's probably a very few who are very very dedicated and they they manage to find their way through it but at the end of the day people only have one life mm -hmm. you know it makes me really sad the amount of people that I work with um that say they've you know maybe been in traditional therapy or whatever for I'm working with someone at the moment who's literally had 60 years of therapy and really not got anywhere wow. you know we've, we've only got one life let's just deal with this stuff and move on Mm -hmm. You know, no, no one wants to be dealing with this for the rest of their life or, or wasting years focusing on it. Let's get it done. Okay. I let my guests have the final word. It seems like you've gotten a lot of it already, but I'll give you a chance to wrap everything up and give something to leave with my audience. Yeah, I just think it's really important that everyone understands that no matter what someone else has said and no matter what you've been through, you are important. Who you are has value and worth. And I know that if you're listening to this show, you've either in a situation at the moment or you've had a situation in the past that is trying to take that away from you. But as a human being... You need to understand that you are unique, you are significant, you are important, and you are here for a purpose. And no one has a right to control you and to try and take that away from you. And the very, very best thing that you can do is to understand that and to do everything you can to start to be the whole and complete person that you were intended to be.